Amen. It's a wonderful blessing to be here this evening. Uh, we do appreciate your investment at Kitchener Baptist Church. Uh, as Pastor Ferry said, uh, Pastor Ray Stone, over 35 years ago, came to Kitchener, uh, surrendered to the call of the Lord, and planted Kitchener Baptist Church. And I'm a byproduct of that. And we thank the Lord for your faithfulness and your support. And uh, again, thank you so much, Pastor Ferry, for the opportunity to be here this evening. Thank you for your friendship and your friendship of pastors in Canada as we serve the Lord. Uh, my two older boys are not with us tonight. They're at home at our church working on the live stream, but we did bring our, our youngest, only girl, and let's be honest, she's our favorite anyway. So it's a, a blessing to have her with us. And uh, again, it's such a blessing to be a part of your service here uh, this evening. Let's take our Bibles together if we could, and we'll find the book of John, the Gospel of John, and the sixth chapter, John chapter 6. If we could turn there, we'll begin our reading together in verse number 1. John chapter 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says this in the first verse of the sixth chapter, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great multitude, a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, Verse 9, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took two loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them which were set, uh, which were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Verse 12. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. With the Lord's help tonight, I want to preach this message entitled, that nothing be lost. Let's pray together, can we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we bow before you, Lord, because we need your help. And Lord, I understand that there is nothing that I can say or do to help anyone. It is your word, it is your spirit that truly makes a difference. And so, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of these principles tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to follow you, that you would guide and direct us into all truth, and may you be glorified, not only with the message, but Lord, also our response. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This story is found in all four Gospels, Jesus feeding 5,000, but only in the Gospel of John, the book in which Jesus is depicted as the divine son, showing the heart of the father, do we find this wonderful phrase that nothing be lost. Now, I hope I'm with the right crowd tonight that we believe that Jesus wants all men to be saved. His heart is that they would come to know the Lord Jesus, that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to him for salvation. God wants no life to be wasted. You know, the story of a wasted life is a horrible, horrible thing. Only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. Bernard Shaw uh, played the what-if game shortly before he died. In an interview, the interviewer, the reporter, asked him, if you could live your life over and be anyone you've ever known, be, be any person from history, who would you be? And Shaw responded. He said, I would be the man George Bernard Shaw could have been, but never was. A wasted life is such a terrible thing. A sad commentary in our Bibles is that word loss. What if a man gains the whole world but loses his soul? If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Now, following the events of chapter 5, Jesus returned to Galilee region and he crossed over to the eastern side and great multitudes followed him, having witnessed his earlier miracles. And the Bible says that Jesus went up into a mountain and there he, he turned to his disciples. And the Bible says that he, he lifted up his eyes and he looked at the multitudes. And I believe it's the same action that Jesus told his disciples to do in John chapter Chapter 4, when he saw the multitude of people that they had no shepherd, they had no leadership, they had no guidance. And Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are white, all ready to harvest. You see, Jesus saw more than just a person, just an individual. He saw, he saw someone more than just another marketing, you know, another person to sell the latest iPhone to. But Jesus saw an individual's greatest need. He saw their heart and he, he he looked at that individual and knew that they needed more in their life, that they were seeking for more. And the Bible says he turned to Philip and said, when shall we buy bread that they may eat? And I believe we find one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever performed. If you're taking notes tonight, would you write down number one, an unpromising problem, an unpromising problem. The Bible tells us that there was a great multitude, but they had no food. Now, that's a, that's a big problem, especially for us Baptists. That's a big problem. And you have a great multitude of people, but there's no food to feed them. And we notice in this passage of Scripture that the problem was bigger than just one individual. It was truly a great problem. The Bible calls this place in our life wit's end. Wit's end is when God leads us to a problem in our life that we just don't have the answers. We don't know how to solve it. The Bible says it this way in Psalm 107, verse 27, they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. They are at their wit's end. 
God brought the children of Israel to their wit's end. He led them out of Egypt. We read about this in the Exodus, the exiting of Egypt. And God brought them, the Bible says, the way of the Red Sea. God trapped them between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. They had no place to go. They couldn't go over. They couldn't go under. They couldn't go around it. The only thing that they could do was turn and look to God. And God brings us into places in our life where we have to look to the Lord for the solutions of our life. We find in this passage of Scripture the fret in the situation. In verse 7, And Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. I mean, there's no, there's no way we're going to meet the need for so many people. We can do a little bit. We can, we can solve a little bit, but we can't meet the need of all of the people. Even if some, we buy some food, we can't meet and satisfy the needs of everyone. You know, I, I don't know the situation that you're in tonight. I don't know the mountains that you have to climb. I, I don't know the troubled seas that you faced in your life. I don't know the burden right now in your heart. But I want to remind you tonight that we serve a God who delights in the impossible. If you have a mountain that you can't cross, if you have a sea you can't go through, then friend, I want to introduce you to the God who delights in that which we cannot do. Someone said, we trust the Lord. Walk beside him hand in hand through the stormy hour. Trust his faithful word. It's possible with his power. We can trust the Lord. We find the, the fret in the situation. But notice if we could, the focus in the situation. John chapter 5, and uh, excuse me, John chapter 6, verse 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw the great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that they may eat? And he said this, Jesus said this, verse 6, to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. The word there, prove, is the idea to give a test. God knew what he was going to do, but God wanted to see what the focus of Philip was. God wanted to see if Philip was looking to the Lord or if he was going to try to solve that problem himself. And all of us have tests or God proves us in our life in Job 23 verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. How are we confident that we're going to pass the test? Look what Job said. For my foot have, have held his steps his way have I kept, I have not declined, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Jesus was giving a test to Philip to see if he had a vertical look, if he was going to look to God or if he was going to try to solve the problem himself. Tonight, are you standing at wit's end corner? Friend with troubled brow? Are you thinking of what is before you and all that you're bearing now? Does all the world seem against you and you in the battle alone? Remember, at wit's end corner is just where God's power is shown. Are you standing at wit's end corner, blinded with weary pain, feeling you cannot endure it, you cannot bear the strain, bruised through the constant suffering, dizzy and dazed and numb. Remember, at wit's end corner is where Jesus loves to come. Are you standing at wit's end corner? Your work before you spread? 
a mountain of task unfinished and pressing on heart and head, longing for strength to do it, stretching out trembling hands, remember at wit's end corner is where the burden bearer stands. Are you standing at wit's end corner? Then you're just in the very spot to learn the wondrous resources of him that faileth not. No doubt to a brighter pathway, your footsteps will soon be moved. But only at wit's end corner is the God who is able proved. We find a fret in the situation. We find the focus in the situation. But notice if we could tonight the failure in the situation. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may get a little. The word there translated pennyworth was originally the price in the old Roman Empire for the price of 10 donkeys. It soon became known as equivalent to a day's wage. I mean, the disciples had some money. They had some funds. But they understood that they just didn't have enough. They said, listen, we have some money, but we can't meet the need. We, we don't have enough for everyone to have enough. I want us to notice this principle tonight. A little from the world and a little given to God, it is God that makes the difference. It is God that makes the difference. Not only do I notice in this text an unpromising problem, but I want us to notice tonight an unlikely person. I'm glad that God uses people, aren't you? I'm glad that God uses people like me and people like you to do his work. And in this unpromising problem steps up an unlikely person. Look what the Bible says in verse number nine. The Bible says there is a lad here which have five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Now, I don't think the disciples saw a boy walking down the road with a lunch and grabbed the boy by the shirt and took him to Jesus. No, I think the lad saw the situation. He saw the multitude. He saw the need, and he says, listen, I don't have much, but I got a, a sack lunch, and you're welcome to have it if you would take it and use it. I, I think Jesus could do something with it. We see in this text the doubtful disciples. He says, listen, there's a lad here that has five barley loaves, really just five bread rolls and, and two sardines or small fishes. He says, listen, what are they among so many? And I think you can, you can get the tone of the disciples. They're kind of laughing him to scorn. They're saying, listen, we have enough money to buy more than what this young man has. There's not enough here. To make a difference. And yet, I want to remind you tonight that your attitude makes a big difference to God. The doubtful disciples with their money didn't do as much as a willing boy who said, what I have, Jesus can have it. The Bible says in this passage of scripture that he gives his lunch to the Lord. You know, God doesn't need scientists and God doesn't need brain surgeons and God doesn't need someone with great talents or abilities, though he'll use all of those people. But friend, listen today, God can use our life for his will. 
We find in this passage of scripture the doubtful disciples, but notice also the devoted disciple. The Bible says here this lad has the small lunch, and what does he do? He gives it to the Lord Jesus, and Jesus makes the difference. The Bible says he blessed it, and God used it, and God did something great with it. There's no one that knows the Lord. No one could ever, ever say, God can't use my life. God can't use me. You don't know, Pastor Burns, what I've done. You don't know where I've been. Listen, there's a place in the kingdom of God for everyone to serve the Lord. There's a place for you. We see, thirdly, a different destination. The Bible says Jesus blessed it and Jesus made the difference. When God gets involved, it makes all the difference in the world. God who blessed the loaves of bread by which the multitudes were fed will bless our gifts, however small, if we but gladly give them all. I am amazed that he can bring a blessing from the smallest thing. I see in this passage of Scripture, thirdly, and I'll be done tonight, an unlimited portion, an unlimited portion. Look what the Bible says, John chapter 6, verse number 10. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, and the number about 5,000. In Luke chapter 9, the parallel passage of Scripture in verse 14, the Bible says, for they were about 5,000 men. This, of course, is not counting the the ladies and the the children there. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down by 50s in a company. Now, God takes control of the the situation. And I, I think that we would all agree that when we read the Bible and we learn about God, we know that God is a God of order. He's a God of organization. I had someone come come into my church one time and he said to me, I am against organized church. I said, well, what are you for? Disorganized church? The Bible says in this passage of scripture that God is a God of order. Look what the Bible says, verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that sat down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And look at this, verse 12. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. I see, first of all, an awesome provision. God gave thanks and he took that boy's lunch and he started, can, can you just imagine this? I mean, he started to, gave it to his disciples and he just kept giving to his disciples and, and the disciples, they must have been at all at this. I mean, he just kept giving to his disciples and they kept giving it to the people. And finally, one of the disciples, probably Peter said, enough, Jesus, enough. Everyone is full. They are stuffed. They can't eat anymore. What a wonderful provision that Jesus offers. We have a wonderful salvation, don't we? We have an abundant life. We have abundant grace. We have abundant peace. In Christ, we are satisfied. 
And yet I'm reminded that of this boy's lunch that Jesus focused his attention on the little things. And so many people will say, well, you know, I just have a little ministry or I just have a, a little money or I just have a, a little influence or it's just a little opportunity. And yet God gives great attention to the little. He says, if you're faithful in the little things, then you'll be faithful in the big things. And the hymn writer understood that thing. He understood that truth. And the harvest fields now ripen. There's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling to the harvest, calling you. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. What a wonderful provision in the hands of our Savior. But I want us to think about lastly and Really, this is my message. I want us to think about an astonishing principle. Why is Christ so concerned with the leftovers? How many are fans of leftovers here tonight? Put up your hand if you like leftovers. Okay, there's, wow, lots, lots more than I thought. I'm not a big fan of leftovers. My boys are fans of leftovers. Of course, they're teenagers and they'll eat anything. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. But, but Jesus is so concerned about the leftovers in this passage of Scripture. In fact, 12 baskets are left over. And to me, it's just an incredible statement as he, he tells his disciples to go out and to gather all the fragments and put into the baskets. He said, listen, nothing, nothing is going to be lost. I want us to think about this principle, and, and let's think about this. Abundance doesn't justify waste. Abundance doesn't justify waste. Nothing Jesus said is to be wasted. I think maybe, and I don't, the Bible doesn't say this, but I think maybe the lad got to take those 12 baskets home with him. I mean, it just kind of teaches us that when you give to Jesus, you always have more. But Jesus was concerned with the leftovers. And the principle is abundance does not justify waste. We are so blessed today. We have a wonderful, you have a wonderful church here, wonderful music, wonderful messages. I, I tap into the online live stream here and there and wonderful messages from the word of God. You are spiritually fed from the Bible. You have a wonderful godly heritage in this place. You have wonderful godly people who love the Lord that you can come out from the world and you can come here and you can celebrate Christ and all that he has done. You, you have people here that love you and that weep over you, that, that truly care about you. You, you have wonderful opportunities here to serve and to minister. You have Bibles. I, I mean, you probably have a Bible on every shelf in your home. And I, I would say that you probably have the Bible, so many copies of the Word of God that you could use a new copy every single week. We have abundant grace. We have abundant mercy. We have abundant love. We have a wonderful salvation in the Lord Jesus that He has provided so much. And yet so many times in the Christian life, we squander the sacrifice of other people. 
We squander the blessings of God. I want to give you two thoughts, and I'll be done. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews in the second chapter. Look what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 2. Because I think if we were honest tonight, we would all agree that we are guilty of this, that we have not taken this principle of Jesus to heart, and that we have squandered the opportunities and provisions of Almighty God in our life. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2. The Bible says in in chapter 2, Hebrews is sometimes a difficult book to interpret. It, It really is comparing the Old Testament law with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. And really, if I could give you an overview of the book of Hebrews, it's that Jesus is a better way. That Jesus is a greater provision. That he has given to us way more than what the law could ever give to us. And he writes here to believers, and the writer of Hebrews here, many believe it's Paul. We don't know really who the writer is. But he says in verse chapter 2, verse 3, he's now speaking to the Christian. He says, oh, by the way, how shall we escape if we neglect? Now, he didn't say reject. He said neglect. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I find the churches today, we're so busy pointing at the world, saying the world is this and the world is that. Yes, they're the world. We would expect the world to act like the world. The problem is when the Christian acts like the world. And and here, the writer is saying, listen, God is going to take care of the world. But wait a minute, let me say this to you. How shall you escape? If you neglect so great salvation. That word there, neglect, in our Bible means to make light of, to not regard. It means to waste. How shall you escape if you waste such a wonderful provision in your life? Now, I want you to jump forward to Hebrews chapter 12. And I believe the Bible gives us an example of it. Hebrews chapter 12. And notice what the Bible says here. The Bible says in verse number 14 of the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, it says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man can see the Lord. Looking diligently... Verse 15, lest any man fail of the grace of God. The word there, fail, it means to lack. And it's not talking about grace of salvation, but the grace of a Christian to enable him to live the Christian life. By the way, the Christian life isn't an accomplishment. The Christian life is a grace. We can't live it by ourselves. We need God to help us. I hope you understand that. You'd be pretty frustrated if you try to live the Christian life in your own strength. I think the closest illustration of the Christian life is when Peter walked on water. He was doing the impossible. He was living the Christian life. And as long as he was with Jesus, he could do it. He could not, not do it in his own strength. He could only do it in the strength of God. And the Bible says in this passage of Scripture... That if you lack of the grace of God, 
then you're going to sink. You're, you're not going to be able to make it. In fact, you know what? You're going to have peace with all men. You're going to live a holy life. Then you're going to have to do that by the grace of God, by the provision that God has given to you. But if you think you don't need that, if you're going to waste what God has done for you, he says, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Someone's going to offend you and bitterness is going to spring up and trouble you. And many are going to be defiled because of it. I've seen what bitterness does to an individual, and it's not pretty. It's like you drinking the poison and wanting someone else to die. It's a terrible thing. And the only way that we'll overcome it, the only way that we can accomplish and serve the Lord is by the provision that God has made. And yet so many times we make light of the salvation. So many times we waste and take for granted what God has done for our life. And Jesus said to his disciples, here's a wonderful provision. I've met the need, the, the, the deepest longing of your heart. Now gather everything up because nothing, nothing is going to be wasted. You make use of everything in your life. Paul said this to the church of Ephesus, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so here's my question as I close the message. What are you wasting in your Christian life? What are you wasting? You know, if I could go back to be a teenager again, if I could go back to college again, <laughs> I would make different choices. I would make different decisions. I've wasted so many years, so many opportunities. And the principle we find in the Bible is let nothing be lost. Take advantage of every opportunity, every provision that God has given to you. All the fragments in your life today, here's what I want to encourage you to do. All the fragments of your life today, all of the provisions of God, would you gather them all up? Gather them all up and say, Lord, I want to use these. I want to walk in your strength. I want to be forgiving. I want to be kind. I want to be giving. I want to love my pastor. I want to love my church. I want God to use me in this place. I want to serve you with all my heart, all of your provisions. I don't want to waste any of it. I want to take the opportunities that you've given me. I hope that's your prayer today. Let nothing, nothing be lost. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We're grateful for the opportunity to study and to look at these wonderful principles in your word, Lord, first of all, you can use us to help people. You can, you can use us, Lord, to be a blessing. Lord, whatever we have, Lord, no matter how small, if you get involved, it makes the difference. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray you would use us. But I pray you would help us to not squander the opportunities that you've given to us. Make light of this place. Make light of your blessings. But help us, Lord, to redeem the time.
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Piano's going to play. Let's make some decisions for the Lord, whether you come to this altar where you're sitting. Listen, friends, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Are you squandering the opportunities that the bread of life has given to you? Are you living your life and just neglecting such great salvation? Make a decision tonight to say, Lord, I'm going to use the opportunities that you've given me. Lord, help us tonight to make good decisions. In Jesus' name.